We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey guys, before we get going, I wanted to take a second and wish Andrew a very happy 30th birthday. Yes, I said 30, 3 zero. I'm really hoping our demographics don't get affected by this now that zero people on this on this show can relate to anybody in their 20s. Now that he is 30 years old, he is old, and it's mostly downhill from here. But wish him a happy birthday on social media. Give him some shit for being old. Happy birthday, Andrew. Look at yourself, old man. you got multiple chins cause you're old. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 242. Scott, you bastard, you jinxed the Yankees against the Devil Rays and they actually lost the game. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they shouldn't have lost. They, the bats just didn't show up for a day. What do you want me to do? I, the... Uh, they're going to win a lot more games against them. we got another set coming up in a week, so it'll be all good. One loss is not going to kill us, but that's it. No more. I really thought they were going to go undefeated. They, they had me hook, line, and sinker once they were uh, even winning those games where they weren't hitting. Like you said, the bats didn't come alive for one game. It's been more than one game. We're going to get into that for the month of June. But when, when this team is not hitting and they're still winning games, like this month they're 11-4 and four, and their offense has been – uh, way down from where it was for the uh, first months of the season. It's still pretty amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's what happened in April 
when you saw one half of the team picking up the other half of the team, and that's what we're seeing right now, actually. The pitching is actually, after we complained and complained and said what the Achilles heel is, it's the pitching staff, that's that's where this team is uh, going to go, depending on how they go. It's going to be all on the pitching staff, basically, because we, we kind of assume that this offense will be there, whether it's you know four runs a game or it's five, uh, almost six runs a game, the offense is going to be there. But this is what happened in, in this month so far, is the pitching has been very good. So we are a couple hours late on the podcast today. Scott and I are recording pretty early on Monday morning because we each had some things to do this weekend. Scott, happy Father's Day, your first Father's Day. Yeah, thank you. I sent out a tweet about this one. It was, uh, it was very, very memorable, exactly how, I, exactly how I planned it and thought it was going to go. We had a, like an eight-hour car ride back from a uh, – we had a family wedding this weekend. Um, so it was a, a long car ride, and, and Kemp definitely <laughs> – he uh, yeah went through three outfits uh, in the car ride, so it was uh, lo- lots of blowouts happening in the back seat, and um, <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a pretty eventful Father's Day. But no, it was great. It was um it's a, it's a special day for me this year and and for my wife obviously. Uh, so yeah, it's a happy Father's Day to all the all the fathers out there. Well, if Kemp ever wants some advice about blowouts in the back seat, I, I can I can give him a few pointers. Yeah, I know. I was waiting for uh, I was I was gonna make I was gonna tie it into you a little bit, but I figured I'd let you go on that one. I, the the commenters did it themselves. It's it's yeah. fine. I threw myself under the bus on that one. Yes, you did. Uh, also, we had mentioned it last episode, but June 20, uh, the June 29th event, those tickets are on sale and will remain on sale for a few days. But if you want to get your T-shirt in time today. Monday, June 18th is the last day you can order it. End of business day. So what, 5 p.m. on that? Yeah, we'll, we'll go with 5 p.m. Just, just so, when, so the, that we're not just doing when the makeup it. games are starting is yeah. the last time you can order. Exactly. So we're not doing it you know, later in the evening once I've already got the order ready to go. So let's, uh, yeah, t- so today's the day. Um, get your shirt orders in uh, or your, your ticket orders and the shirt will uh, be processed this week and, and mailed out by the end of the week so that you'll have it in time for Friday. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. We have, uh, we're, we're, we're approaching, we're right around 200 people for this event, which is awesome because it's a Friday night, uh, game and it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. It's, it's going to be, and I expect these tickets to, to start really coming off the shelf as well. Even after the, the t-shirts are, are, uh, gone because people are going to realize that for 84 bucks, you can't get anywhere else really in the stadium on that night. So got to come to us. And if you want to go to a different game, not the June 29th game, I suggest you guys check out. SeatGeek and the SeatGeek app, it is the best way to buy tickets. Don't make buying tickets complicated and confusing. There's an easier way. That's with SeatGeek. It's by far the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best price. Fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person. SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. It uh, saves you time and money. It searches multiple ticket sites to compare prices to find the amazing deals. And if you've used the app before, you know it grades the tickets. Red, green, uh, red and green, orange, it color coats them. So even if you aren't the the brightest bulb out there, you can know green. That's good. Let me go. Let me buy that one. Uh, Every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Uh, make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports to concerts, comedy, and theater. I've used SeatGeek in the, in the past. Scott has used the app as well. Uh, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the app, enter promo code BRONX. Again, download the SeatGeek app, 
enter promo code Bronx and you get $20 off your first purchase. We had mentioned uh, the month of June, the Yankees are 11 and four. The staff ERA is right around two, which is phenomenal. That's if they're going to be pitching to a two ERA, this team is going to win well over 110 games this year. But the offense has come down. They're averaging four runs a game in June. And before June, it was 5.75. So almost two runs lower per game. That is a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing some of the guys that were so hot in the early going of the season uh, definitely have cooled off. Obviously, Didi was uh, going through that horrible streak after he had the ridiculous April. Uh, he's starting to heat back up again. Gary Sanchez is has been just uh, really abysmal at the plate. And, and I think lately we're starting to see a little bit of a glimmer of hope for him coming out. He's been hitting the ball hard, getting on base a little bit more. Uh, but again, you know, he's got to make sure that he's not swinging at those bad pitches and, and get him going. But the, when you look up and down, you, you have, uh, you have that, the, the bottom of the lineup that wasn't there in the beginning of the season that is now really turning that thing over and, and starting to go. I, I'm expected once, once everybody is um, you know, kind of in their groove, uh, after the All-Star break, right around there, this team is going to, to start gelling and, and, and even putting up better numbers uh, than they were before. So I, I expect huge numbers from his offense. So how, how do you explain, though, the offense struggling like it is? Because what, what they're really struggling with mostly is, is executing with runners on base. Their on-base percentage is still pretty decent if you look up and down. They're putting a lot of runners on base. Like yesterday, in uh, Sunday's game, they left eight men on base. It's the middle of the order that has not been able to drive those runners home. And the middle of the order has been has been the one that's really been struggling. I mean, Gary Sanchez has been struggling. Giancarlo Stanton's been struggling. Um, Didi has been struggling up until recently. So you're seeing a lot of these guys. Greg Bird hasn't gotten off to the greatest start. of you know He's, he's definitely uh, more of a slow start. So I think you're seeing these guys uh, in the middle are the ones that are struggling the most. I mean, you look at the bottom, Glaber and Andujar are, are hitting, uh, and then you go to the top, and, and I know Gardner is dealing with some, a little bit of a soreness, but, I mean, he's been on fire. So, and, and Darren Judge, while he had, you know, not the April – that he had uh, and into May, but he's been he's been consistent pretty much all mostly year long. consistent yeah. from Judge. But so you just mentioned the three big bats in the middle of the order: Stanton, Sanchez, and Bird, who are struggling. Would you? In it, ideally, everyone's hitting. Those guys are in the middle of the order come September and October. But right now, they're not hitting. Would you shake up the lineup a little bit? Put some guys who are hitting either ahead of them, behind them, try and do something with Glaber and Andujar, guys who have been consistently hitting for the last two months. Uh, again, I'm, I'm of the, I'm of the oak of, of saying, you know, if something is working with Glaber on the bottom, like I don't mind you moving things around a little bit, but I don't think there needs to be any drastic changes. I think the, I think patience is, is key in this particular instance. I mean, yes, Gary Sanchez has been struggling uh, mightily, but, Aaron Boone's got to got to stay with his guy. He's got to make sure that I mean he gave him those three days off, um, and, and really he's looked better since then, honestly. And and we're we're starting to see them come around. Stanton, I mean, I think we're all still waiting, but at the end of the day, he's still been productive. Um, when you're looking at the numbers, he's just been his at bats when he's not getting on base are awful. They're just abysmal. Um, so I don't know what you can really do to to shake it up too much because you know they had uh, what they was Glaber and um, and Anduar batting four or five. Uh, and and Glaber had uh, you know three RBIs, so you're, you're looking at the, the the production level. And yes, you could probably get more production if you move them up from those individual guys. But that's not to say that the other guys are going to start doing better if you bump them down. Well, 
I, yeah, I get that. Uh, Gary Sanchez broke an 0 for 17 streak on Friday when he got out of that slump, hit the bases clearing double late in that game. And you could just tell that the stadium erupted because they know how much he was struggling. And where were all the Austin Romine should start people in the stadium on Friday night? I didn't hear from them. I guess everyone wanted to uh, get behind Gary Sanchez at that point. Well, that's the thing. You know when, when Gary Sanchez is going, he's five times the hitter that Austin Roman is. So that's the guy you want going. So, yeah, everybody's going to be, uh, okay, I'm going to quiet down. Now. I had my moment. I said my piece. Now I'm going to fade off into the bushes. Well, so you saw, uh, like you said, I mean, Boone has done some stuff with the lineup. On um, Thursday, when Blake Snell pitched, he went with an all-right-handed lineup. Glaber was batting five and Duhar was batting six. Glaber hit the three run homer. So it worked on that night where you got the big offensive hit that has been lacking on this team from the rookie in the five spot that put the, that gave the Yankees the game because that put the Yankees ahead. Yes. I mean, it, it absolutely. I have no problem if you were to move him up. I just don't think it's something that's necessary. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like if Boone decides to, to move up, um, some of these guys in a particular game, like like against Snell, and because it's a left-handed pitcher, you want an all-right-handed lineup in there. I think well, Austin and Walker were playing in that game, so it was very obvious when you look at the guys in the lineup that those that those two were going to be higher. I mean, there was no doubt about that. Um, but when you have your starters in, when you have your your regular lineup in, I don't know how much you're going to be able to change it because if you start bumping them up, then then you have to start moving guys down who are you know who who have not been um, hitting in the five six spots. So you're, you're, you're doing some, some shuffling around, but on a given day, you don't know. I mean, Stanton could go three for three on a given day as well and, and hit three home runs. So you, I don't know. I just don't think it's, it's, it's really you know, making that much of a difference when you have your starters in there. And that was Glaber's fifth three-run homer of That's the ridiculous. Season. That is ridiculous. And he didn't come up until the end of April. The, guy, the kid just does not get too – the moment does not get too big for him. We've said that a, a million times about him. But to have five three-run homers, that's why we see the offensive production with the RBIs and the home runs with him. He's turned into a power hitter in, the, in the, the majors. And there was a tweet that was going around that said, Glaber has nearly 1,400 at-bats in the minors and had 24 total home runs. In about 150 at-bats in the majors, he already has 13 home runs. And one Houston Astro starter, Justin Verlander, liked that tweet, and some Yankee fans did not enjoy that did not take kindly to Verlander maybe insinuating some stuff about Glaber Torres I think it's hilarious that people get get all riled up about um, a guy going on there and liking a tweet it's it's a I mean look I, I have no problem putting more of a target on on Houston and putting up some bulletin board material so I love exactly the, I love the we narrative trying to do in the yeah. offseason yeah I love the narrative the narrative is, is good at the end of the day he was probably like, oh, this kid's good. I'm going to like that tweet. <laughs> or but, he was saying that the balls are juiced. Or he's saying the balls are juiced. Or he's saying there's something else going on. But look, it's the, the fact that Justin Verlander is going on and, and engaging on a tweet on some, about someone else, you know, in the NFL, can't you get fined for that? Isn't that kind of like, isn't that, isn't that you know, meddling in other teams' business? I feel like, uh, you know, Aaron Judge did less when he was talking to Machado. Well, here, so I'm taking a different route. He's a tool bag, and he is a multimillionaire pro athlete married to uh, one of the most famous swimsuit models out there, Kate Upton. And he is trolling Twitter in his free time, just saying, oh, what is this guy, Glaber Torres? Oh, he must be doing steroids like, 
That's, that's, that's the narrative I have created in my mind for Justin Verlander. And hey, Verlander, how do you explain in over a thousand career innings that Charlie Morton was throwing 93 miles an hour and then all of a sudden this year down in Houston, he's throwing 97 miles an hour. How do you explain that one? He's trying, or, hard, he's trying harder. Or how do you explain in 3,000 plate appearances from 2011 to 2015, Jose Altuve hit 36 homers. And since then, he's had uh, less than half of the plate appearances and has 50 home runs. Milk. How about Lo- that one? Lots of milk. Yeah. And how do you explain that in 183 games with Detroit, uh, Verlander had a 3.49 ERA. And since then, in Houston, he's pitching to a 1.47 ERA. How do you explain that, Justin? Spin rate? It's all about spin rate. It's all about the spin rate. So I, I credit my coaches. Well, just like Charlie Morton decided to throw faster, Glaber decided to hit more home runs. No, I mean, when you look at Glaber's at-bats and you look at his, uh, I can't talk enough about how sweet his swing is. I mean, it's, it's a thing of beauty. It really is. And the fact that he, in big situations with runners on base like that, um, I mean, that's an amazing stat. Leading the, leading the bigs in three-run home runs is ridiculous for a guy that's only been up. Uh, for a part of the season and and a guy who's also you know batting at the bottom of the order uh, he's just has a rookie he's just got a lot of things going against him to be putting up a number like that but it just shows how he gets locked in in big moments and how his swing is just so pure that he can really barrel up I, I'm going back to the stat this is one of the ones I like I like it a lot the the barrels getting getting the barrel on the bat um, to me is one of the, one of the biggest things, obviously in baseball, when you're, when you're at the plate, if you could barrel up and you can hit the sweet spot of the bat, you know, good things are going to happen. And while some of those uh, balls were probably line drives in the minor leagues and, and he was just trying to make good contact. Now they're going out and, and maybe, it, maybe it's a little bit about the balls. Maybe it's about, um, him playing to, uh, the ballpark that he's playing in. I'm, I'm sure there's a few things. Maybe it's just more focus and better pitching, you know, whatever it is, the kid's making really good contact in big situations, and that's huge. There's also some other factors that people just conveniently ignore, is that in the minors, you're actually playing in big ballparks, uh, a lot of times bigger ballparks with low stands. So it, the ball does not travel as much. In these big stadiums with three tiers, the wind swirls around and actually pushes the ball out more. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely factors. We've talked about this when, uh, when, when Gary Sanchez came up. Um, and some of these other guys that didn't have the home run numbers that they did in the minor leagues and they come up to the pros and they're starting to hit more home runs. I mean, yes, the pitching's better in the, prof- in the pros, but they're also a lot more around the plate. So you're going to see more strikes. So if you're one of those guys who can make c- good contact and that's your game, and I'd say Glaber Torres is on that list. He's, he's one of those guys who can make very good contact. Then you're going to see more balls around the plate. And if you're, and if you're able to um, take advantage of that, you're going to see the ball travel a little bit more when you get to the pros. People just look at the body types of Gary Sanchez or Aaron Judge who came up and hit more home runs in the majors than they did in the minors and say, well, that makes sense. They're big guys. They're power hitters. They don't look at Glaber Torres and think power hitter. I think that's why people are kind of questioning it. Yeah, but at the same time, he's not like he's a skinny little dude. I mean, he's a stocky of course, guy. He's got, of he's, course not. He's got the build for um, – I mean, he could, he could be a third baseman with no issue in this league and have that power. Like, he's got that build. Uh, and people wouldn't blink twice. And, you know, like he looks like a third baseman almost. So I'd say he's, his frame is actually much bigger um, than your standard second baseman. What would you say about every day the lineup being Gardner, Glaber, Judge to, to start? Because that's how I would do it. I think Glaber Torres is a number two hitter. I, I, again, because of what's happening and the success, like I don't, I don't have any problems with him keeping the lineup the way it is. Uh, if, if we go into next year, and I'll just 
talk about next year he's on the team and he's going to be a uh, he's he's got a spot coming out of spring training or going into spring training and all that. I would put him in the two spot as well. I think he's the perfect two hitter, especially when you're starting off. If Brett Gardner or a lefty is your your leadoff guy, because I think I still think Aaron Judge is better suited as the number three. Mm-hmm. Johnny Lasagna, Lois Siga made his major league debut. Actually pitched pretty damn well. Five innings, no runs. That is pretty amazing considering the kid came up from double A. You know, it's watching him, and I know there were a bunch of people on Twitter making the comparisons, not not to the pitching, but just kind of the way that he looked to a young Mariano Rivera. And I definitely saw it. There were some, you know, mechanical ways and, and kind of his motion. He had a, he has a full uh, windup that goes over his head almost. And it's it's kind of a little bit of a throwback, um, but he pitched so well. And you know the four walks I think are a bit deceiving. Those balls were right off the plate. A, a lot of those uh, a lot of those fastballs that he was trying to locate on the black were, were maybe like you know a quarter inch off the plate. And, and I'd say on most nights they'd probably be called strikes. And in the minor leagues probably called strikes. Um, but yes, he walked more guys. You know you got to chuck up some nerves to that. Chuck up um, just just getting out there for the first time. But he pitched really well, and his stuff is, is, is freaking electric. He's got good stuff. His walk rate in the minors was tremendous. I think he had about a 15-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio in the minors. Yeah. So I think he's, he walked four guys in the, all year long and then four guys up on his first start. But like you said, that's understandable. You're making your major league debut, and these are the best hitters in the world. If you're, you don't want to give up, you don't want to get pounded. You don't want to give up the home run if you're over the plate. And yeah, maybe the, the guys in the minors swing at those pitches, but that's just something he's going to have to learn. The big thing is he didn't let it beat him. He worked out of that bases loaded jam in the fourth inning, and you saw him stay composed on the mound, even in the most pressure he's probably ever faced, walking guys in his major league debut. He was able to stay composed, f- get through five innings on 91 pitches, give up no runs. It, I... I I was amazed at, at his composure on the mound. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not going to say he was facing the best hitters in the world. They were playing the Devil Rays. but um, Hey, Matt Duffy looked pretty good in this series. He did. He did uh, yeah, he, he had some big hits. The, um, but the kid did look really good. And, and again, I, I even think when you're looking at those four walks, the, the box score doesn't really tell you how those walks happen. I mean, some of those pitches were very, very good pitches that he just just missed. I mean, I, I understand they're still called a ball, but the fact that this kid was around the plate the entire time that he was out there, um, and he was he was definitely challenging people. And, and that fastball jumps; it really does. It's got it's got some uh, some good movement. It looked like it was it's got some uh, some left to right action uh, that's hard to pick up, but it's not drastic. Um, and he was fun to watch. He really was. It was. It was a. It, it had been a while since we're seeing a guy like that. Uh, and I'm not even going to say he was hyped because he wasn't. I, I'd say the the majority of Yankee fans had no idea who he was until he came up, and um, and people realized that you know that I have no idea how to say this kid's name. They've been calling him Johnny Lasagna in the minor leagues. So this is something that's been uh, been with him for a little bit. But the kid pitched really well. I love that he likes it. I love that he doesn't mind being called Johnny Lasagna. He, he doesn't said, mind yeah. it. I wonder if he likes it. Well, if, if I think if uh, he's pitching in the majors and fans get behind him chanting lasagna, I yeah. think he'll feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just one of those fun things that uh, you, you have a hard name to say. It's not disrespectful. There's so many people on Twitter like that were taking it way too damn far. Uh, you you, you got to lighten up. But the fact is that uh, his play, the, the teammates originally gave him this this nickname when he was in the minor league. So that's it. That's done. Like The, the team gave it to him. What are we going to do about that? The fans Johnny can't Lasagna, change that. 
Johnny Lasagna is also the perfect name for the Yankees who have a, a big Italian fan base. Yeah. It's just perfect. And considering he's from Nicaragua, it makes a lot of sense, but whatever. <laughs> Giancarlo's not Italian. We've got John Sterling singing uh, Italian phrases for his home run call. Yes, this is true. I would love to see John Sterling do a fake call for, uh, for Lasagna, just to hear it. But no, the kid was really good, and, and just coming out there, I'm interested to see how uh, he progresses and, and kind of what the, long, what the plan is for him this year, because that's going to be interesting to watch. He's going to get another start. I think people were already writing him off because he is coming up from AA. Right. And you know what I was thinking? Is that do you think some of the pitchers in AAA, either Justice Sheffield, Chance Adams, uh, Josh Rogers, look at uh, Losiga getting the call up, skipping a level? He was below them in the system. Do you think they have any uh, animosity towards something like that? Or do they realize that this was a 40-man roster sort of decision? And it just so happened Losiga was already on the roster, made it easy for the team. I think it's easy to, to put that put that on that if you're if you're a guy pitching in AAA it's very easy to say oh well he was on the 40 he didn't beat me he's on the 40 they had to, they were protecting him against the uh you know making making any any moves with the rule 5 so so that's that's the default inside internally they're like yeah, yeah. I, i'm i'm not happy that this kid's jumping me but at the same time <laughs> it's a 40 man roster decision so that that's what they're going to use there's no doubt and he could very well spend time in AAA later this season or next season we don't know it's just I, I, I really, because I was talking to my dad about this this weekend, and he was saying that why would they have skipped over some of their other pitching prospects? And I said, it, it, I really think it was just a numbers game with the 40-man roster. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is if he comes out and starts pitching well and, and, and continues to pitch well and has another good start, uh, with the way that this, uh, the way that the pitching rotation has been you know, decimated with injury, it's going to be very difficult to, to justify getting sending him anywhere unless of course unless he's is. struggling but you know the kid's got the stuff that's for sure he's a toolsy um, kid <clears throat> you love that uh and i want to one final note i noticed i noticed about watching his start is that he's a small guy 511 maybe if he's if he's standing on on cleats on cement maybe he just gets to 511 165 pounds i think if he's going to need to make it through 30 starts in the majors he's going to have to pack some pounds on that frame well, and I mean, that just comes with uh, with your age, too. I think a lot of that people don't, you know, a lot of these guys don't start packing on um, more weight until they get a little older. But, you know, the the comparisons, I think, to, to Rivera were when he was a when he first came up, I think are pretty, pretty accurate because he was a stick figure. I mean, he was so skinny and, and they look very, very similar in that sense, because uh, I mean, you could looks like you could blow at this kid and, and, and knock him over because he's he's thin as a rail. So 5'11", you know, maybe 5'10", 5'11", somewhere in there. But he's, he's very skinny. He definitely had – he needs to eat some lasagna. His, the number 38 on his back looked gigantic. It looked like it was his dad's jersey and he was just wearing it. That's, that's, that's what it reminded me of. Well, it's even better that he came out there and pitched well. Yeah. Um, Saturday's game, Seve pitched dominant again, eight innings, no runs. So add that to the one or zero earned runs total from this guy. He, he backed up uh, or rebounded after the, the bad start in air quotes uh, <laughs> against the Mets when he only went five innings. So that's what we're considering a bad start from Severino. That's the type of season he's having. Uh, but what I want to talk about is when he jumped over Gary Sanchez to catch a pop-up behind the plate. He did not let Gary drop another one like he did on Thursday. It's funny when you watch that video and just see the, the reaction on Gary Sanchez's face. It's like, what, what in the hell? First of all, 
Severino shouldn't even be anywhere near that that ball. Not even close to near that ball. He, sh- he should have taken maybe like a step towards where the ball was going and then stopped in the grass right after you get off the mound. That's it. And that's where you stop because there's a third baseman and there's a catcher that are that are going to catch the ball before you do ever. So um, the fact that he jumped out in front of him, I'm, and I'm wondering how that that went down in the uh, in the dugout. If it was, uh, you know, if they were laughing it off, if he, well, they did laugh, it if off. he made Sabathia, fun of him, yeah, Sabathia was laughing at. He was like pointing at it, like nudging guys on the bench. You see what he just did? You know what Severino reminds me of? He reminds me of like a puppy you just let out of the cage when he's on the mound, and he's so friggin' excited he can't contain himself. He's just running around the mound in circles just because he has so much energy. Getting back on the rubber. Okay, let's go. Let me throw this yeah, ball. Yeah. Let me throw this. Ball. He's like a puppy out there. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know the uh, the the conversation between Gary Sanchez and Severino. That's the uh, that that one. I'm sure the, the actual real conversation between the two of them afterwards. But Gary yeah, looked a little annoyed. He was definitely annoyed. There was definitely something like, "What are you doing? Like, really?" And you know, he was thinking about the ball that he dropped. So there was there was yeah. definitely a little of that. But I, I'm wondering. I have a feeling those two have a very good relationship, and it was a little bit of a ribbon back and forth because he definitely jumped. The glove was above his he like literally <laughs> leaped in front of him and it's like you're playing a co-ed game and a guy steals the ball from a girl let the girls play you know yeah. let, let the girls catch the ball do you remember that game you used to play where uh one person would just throw the, it was i think it was called fly ball and there would be two people in the outfield and one person would just throw it as high as they could in the air and then you fight the other person to try and catch it do it was remember, called uh, it, it was a number it was called uh um I forget what what the number was, a hundred and something. Yes, you'd play to a certain total, and it was we named we, we called it whatever the the total was. I forget the name of, the, I forget the number of what it was, but yes, yeah, there well, was one of them. I, I specifically remember this one because it was um, when I first started dating my my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. When we first started dating her, she has an older brother who's probably he's five years older than me, and and from what I've heard at that point, like. He likes to, and he's a bigger, he's a bigger guy than me, like probably about the same height as me, but, but definitely uh, bigger. And he would always, you know, compete with anybody who, who, uh, who Bevan was dating or whatever and would whoop their ass every single time. So one eighty six is that the name of it? But one of the, um, one of the games was, was that, and we were playing it in the ocean with a football and I whooped his ass. And it, I'll never forget it because that was like, it was the clear, it was the clear one. We started doing like an Olympics on the beach and I, I destroyed him in a sprint. I just, and then I beat him in that. And that was the one that I didn't think I would ever beat him. So yeah, I remember well, that game. This is, this is going back to your um, overconfidence in your athleticism. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and how you can beat Alex Rodriguez in a first to third race. But, but this is exactly what it worked. It works. My, my overconfidence in that, in that day too. I was like, I had, I had the, the, uh, you know, the, the tenacity and, and like I had like mustered up old man strength when I was not even an old man. I don't know how it happened. It's one of those one of those those feats in life that you're like, wow, he picked up a car. It was kind of like that. Well, you would not beat Severino because he looks to be pretty damn good at that game. He does look pretty good at that game, especially if he's wearing a glove. Uh, and Severino, who maybe we just start calling the, the bulldog out there. Uh, maybe he could use Rover as a service. Absolutely. And just like I could use Rover as a service and did this past weekend, Rover.com is the largest network of five-star pet sitters and dog walkers in North America serving pet parents across the U.S. and Canada. Rover connects dog owners with trusted pet care whenever they need it. Millions of services have been booked on Rover, including pet sitting, dog walking, in-home dog boarding, and doggy daycare. The results speak for themselves. It's a service on Rover uh, that is booked every four seconds and over 95% 
of the people reviewed get five star perfect ratings. And I got to tell you, I used this service this past weekend, my dog Mattingly. Uh, we went away for a wedding and I was looking up, uh, we normally go to a, a dog boarding place this time. I used Rover and it was awesome because I found a, a person when I went on the website who is, uh, you know, in the next neighborhood over, has a couple dogs already, has some kids, has a nice big yard that's fenced in. So she was able to go there and pretty much be at home. Um, she had a pool. It was phenomenal. And the, the woman that took care of the dog did have a five-star review. So I was able to check out kind of the references ahead of time and see what people's comments were, um, making sure that your dog is left in good hands. Cause obviously everybody knows who has a pet. That's your baby. My dogs, my Mattingly, I would never, uh, leave in, uh, in the hands of someone I, I didn't trust, but I did get a very good feeling about them. Um, so that was good. I definitely highly recommend it for if you're going away for a weekend, it's a really easy service. Uh, and people that are listening to the show for $25 off your first booking, you could go to rover.com slash Bronx and use the promo code Bronx during checkout. That's $25 off your first booking rover.com slash Bronx and use promo code Bronx at checkout. Domingo Herman finally got his first big league W on Thursday against Tampa. Maybe this will shut some people up who probably were just looking at Herman's win-loss total and saying, well, this guy can't be a starter in the major leagues. He finally got, in that, uh, got the schneid, got off the schneid and got the win total. Well, yeah, it's funny because if you look at that start and look at the numbers, they're pretty similar to the rest of his starts uh, where he gives up a few runs early, strikes out a lot of guys, walks a couple and goes, you know, around six innings or so. I, I, you know, we're, we're seeing a, a pretty similar line. He's got to clean up the beginning of the game. I think that's right now his biggest his biggest issue is that he needs to come out of the gate like he's pitching in the you know second, third, and fourth inning. Because for, for whatever reason, um, when he's coming out, he's given up early runs. And if he can eliminate that or, or at least temper that and, and come out with, uh, you know, whether it's I don't know how I don't know how you get yourself ready and no, get yourself we, in the mentality, but but we've gone through this before, where we've told the scoreboard operator just flash the bottom of the third right. inning up there, like just lie, just lie to these guys. Well, and you know we've we've also talked, you know, I, I think for this one, you're looking at the at why this happens and, and whether it's you know just the jitters in the beginning of the game and you're not locating and you're not your your legs aren't underneath you yet, um, you know maybe you need to to. Uh, you know, make your make your pregame routine a little different. Maybe throw a little bit more pitches, do some more air squats. I don't know what it is, but you got to figure that out because that's right now is the the biggest part of this game that he needs to polish up. But when we're talking about the pitching in the entire game and the box score and looking what he does and how that uh, that ball is missing bats, he's he's got that. I mean, the kid's got mm-hmm. all the talent. Yeah, ten strikeouts. He gave up the homer to Matt Duffy, like you said on the first pitch of the game. He didn't let it bother him. He, he just settled right back in there, which showed he has the confidence in his stuff, in his abilities to be a starting pitcher, which is the most impressive thing. It's not the 10 strikeouts. It's that he didn't let the early runs get to him. So I, I, you and I have been impressed by Herman. So I, I think people that are not impressed by him are not looking at this correctly. You need to look at the, the body of work and actually how he's pitching, not, not just the box score. Don't just look at the numbers, but actually watch this guy and, and see how he's doing. Because when you're, the eye test doesn't lie when you're looking at, at Ramon, and, and he looks very good. I mean, the, the stuff is, is there for sure. I mean, he's had a lot of strikeouts. You're seeing the fact that this guy is missing bats, and, and that's one of the hardest things to do in the major leagues. I mean, I know strikeout... Rates are up for batters, but when you're coming into this uh, into the season as a as a as a young guy, as a new guy to the scene, you know it's impressive. It really is. So I, I think he just just a couple of little things he needs to polish up, but it, it's overall been impressive, and I'm glad he finally got his uh, his first win. 
So a couple roster moves. Johnny Lasagna, when he was called up, Tyler Austin was sent down. Austin started the season 18 for 59, and then the suspension was really what cooled him off because since then, 9 for 62. And that's that's one of the reasons the Yankees were, you know, had such a um, a high run total in the beginning of the season per game because you had guys like Tyler Austin who were hitting the ball out of the ballpark every other at bat. So this is a guy that was was gotten off to a, a very hot start, and people were like, "Oh, wait a minute, you know, birds hurt." You know, we've seen this before in New York. Not our grand, our great grandparents have seen this in New York, in New York before, <laughs> <laughs> with with uh, guys losing their jobs at first base. But he cooled off, and and I think he. Um, he he kind of we, we know what Tyler Austin is at this point I think I, I agree and uh, I am wondering if Drury gets the call up um, after this makeup game on Monday because AJ Cole is still on this roster and he has not pitched since May 28th so if you're not going to use AJ Cole in over two weeks what the hell is he doing as the last man in the bullpen he really is useless they've said they wanted to carry the 13th pitcher through this tough stretch of schedule well they haven't used the extra pitcher. No, that's true. And even before that, he had another long stretch of not pitching. So he's he's really been used very infrequently. So there's he's at this point taking up a roster spot. But what I think they're doing is it's just in case. He's the just in case guy. He's the guy that could go a few more innings. Uh, and and they can use him in a situation where if if they need to go to a, a pitcher because it hasn't hurt. It doesn't look like it's hurt them in the uh, on the offense. You know, with position players as well. So. I, I could see that move though, because Drury needs to be up in this, in this, uh, in this team. There's a couple other things that could happen though, with without getting rid of a pitcher, right? Uh, and I, I think I think our boy Neil Walker is getting close. Well, Neil Walker again because he hasn't really he hasn't been utilized. He plays once a week, and he's been playing first base, second base, third base, which is great. But I think Brandon Drury can do that as well. Yeah, and he's a younger player, has more of a future on this team. We saw Neil Walker, Neil the Rally Walker, get a little hot there in May, and that was great and everything. But if you're not using him, I don't think he's a guy that can come off the bench and play once a week. Torres is great for that. We, we love Torres. We love little Toto. Stop saying we. Stop saying we. And we all to do. To play as the utility guy who can give you quality at-bats, even though he didn't play for six days. No, that's, Walker, that's true. Neil Walker hasn't proved that he could do that. I mean, and, and I think that's a tough thing to do, though. That's yeah. a really, really tough thing to do. It's a special skill. I'm not being sarcastic. It is a special skill that Ronald Torres has. Well, yeah, because there's not very many of those guys that can be that super utility guy. I mean, we hadn't seen that, um, you know, across the league in a long time until, until Joe Madden really started implementing it. There, there's, there's certain guys that could go out there. And, and even, even then, you know, a lot of those guys are getting almost every day at best, but, but able have some flexibility with... Uh, with where they play in the field. But Toe, like you said, can sit for however long and then come up and have a good at-bat. He's going to hit a single, but it's a good at-bat. Good at he's going to work the count, and he's going to play good defense. And, and Neil Walker is striking out a ton. Uh, he's he, Like you said, he got hot in, in May and had some of those um, those rally starters and had a walk-off, and, and that's great. But, you know, that contract is is not, not big. The Yankees are... Uh, you know, we've, we've seen them eat contracts before. They're almost halfway through the season. You know, it would not surprise me if, if Neil Walker didn't have a spot on this team for very long. And, and Brandon Drury did it. Because I, I do believe that Brandon Drury can come up and play first base adequately. He could be the super utility guy because he can play three infield spots. And I think he can even play some corner outfield. And uh, I don't think Andujar is going anywhere, at least until the trade deadline. Maybe they, they look to trade him if they really have a ton of confidence in Jury. So you're not going to remove Andujar from the roster. But I think Jury can play a couple times a week 
if he can play three positions, maybe even four positions. No, absolutely. And I think the first base job is the one that, that everybody has a little bit of hesitancy on because he hasn't really played there often. And I know Scranton's trying to get him into some games at first to see, you know, get his feet wet and make sure that he's, uh, you know, playing an adequate first base. But usually when you have a guy that could play that many positions uh, and third base being one of them, you know, that transition to first base should be, you know, relatively seamless. He should be able to do it. We saw Chase Headley have uh, have the, the success at first base last year. And Drury is an athletic dude that... I have no no doubt that he could go over to first base and, and play and play well. And he's just, at this point, a better bat than Neil Walker is. So we finally get to make up these games against Washington this afternoon. The game that is tied going into the bottom of the six at three is, is kind of interesting because Tanaka started that game. That's the game he went to the stretch half or in like the second or third inning and really settled in. Yep. He's now on the disabled list. And Tyler Austin has three RBIs in this game, so he is the entire Yankees offense, and he's now in the minors. So this is kind of a, uh, a funny situation the Yankees are in. Yeah, it's going to be one of those games when you look back on a box score and you scratch your head because the guys aren't on the roster at the time, <laughs> so it's going to look weird. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it'll, they, hopefully they could scratch out a couple runs and, and take this. Uh, it's going to be a, a strange thing. I don't even remember the last time they picked up a game this late. And it was then against Baltimore. Was it against Baltimore? It was a couple years ago against Baltimore, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be definitely new to all of these guys. I mean, not just the Yankees, but the Nationals picking up a game this late and then, and then wrapping it up and moving into the next one, which our boy, Sonny Gray, is going to be pitching, and hopefully he can... Uh, this is the second time now in a row that he's seen the Nationals. Uh, while it's uh, not at Yankee Stadium, it's, it's still against the same lineup that now has a, a bit of a book on him. So we'll see how he can do, hopefully... He can come out and, and pitch well, but well, what I have, about? I have such does, I, I have such a hesitancy even saying that. I was just gonna say, well, is he wearing the elbow brace or is he not? And does he know what the elbow brace is for? Because according to the audio clip, he doesn't know what the audio brace, what the elbow brace is for. He just he just wears it. Why does he have to be so coy in the in like the after? The, the post-game interviews, why does he have to be so elusive with his words? I don't understand it. Can he not form them properly and then he just doesn't have the confidence? Or is he that cocky where he's just like, he doesn't Whoa, I believe... I don't think it's cocky. I think it's, it's, it's no, I think timid. It, I think there's an arrogance that's that's behind the 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 timidness, though, too. Almost like, a, like, why are you asking me that type question? You know what I mean? Like, like an arrogance behind that. Like, why are you asking me that? It's just there. There's something behind it. There's like an attitude behind it where, where we don't deserve to know the answer. And to me, that's a little bit of an arrogance. Maybe it's not cockiness. Arrogance is a better word. But he, he every, whether he pitches well or doesn't pitch well, his postgame interviews are freaking weird. The guy is, well, is strange in the way he talks. He said he wears it all the time, but this is the first time that the beat writers who are in that clubhouse every day after every Sunny Gray start, it's the first time they've seen it on him. Yeah, because so I, because they're obviously stupid and they don't they can't ask the question and they don't see it right. I mean that's that's to me like why are you asking about this? It's always there, even though it's not there. If he just wasn't so damn weird, if he just said it's something that I wear frequently after starts, the trainers put it on me. Done. End of story. It's not a concern. I think people would have just moved on. But for him to sit there and say, well, I don't know, I don't know. What are you talking about? I I just wear it all the time. What do you mean? What are you talking about? That makes it weird. He is weird. No, it's strange. Pickles is weird. Yeah. I mean, my mother used to wear an elbow brace like that for tennis elbow when she was 45 years old. Is that what we have? Do we have tennis elbow, Sonny? What are we dealing with here? Are we dealing with uh, just, just it's a soft brace for your soft elbow, for your soft, what, what else is soft going on? Let's, this is bad. 
Uh, after the Yankees make up those games in D.C., they come back home, play Seattle, who's one of the hottest teams in baseball, all without Robinson Steroid Cano. He's been out. The Mariners have been hot. They are fighting Houston for first in the AL West, and now have an eight-game lead over the Angels. So we are now in a situation in the American League where the playoffs might be wrapped up by the All-Star break. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting, especially how they're playing better <laughs> right now without Robbie Cano. Uh, they, uh, they, they saw D, you know, Gordon is now playing second base pretty much. Uh, he, he went over, he, he, did he play center field when he was with yeah, the Marlins? Played, well, I don't remember well, if he, he played was, with the Marlins and the, he was primarily their second baseman though. Right. And then Seattle played, goes out and plays the outfield. Correct. He's an athlete. The guy's a, an absolute athlete, but he's played second base for the majority of his career slots back in there. I mean, that's a pretty good backup to have, um, D Gordon as your, uh, as your second baseman. Yeah, but then it takes uh, – okay, I mean, I understand they're playing better with Robbie Cano, but with Robbie Cano, they are a better team. There's no doubt even, about it. Even with D. Gordon in center field or wherever he's playing. Rob, Robinson Cano on your, uh, in your everyday lineup makes you better. I'm not saying Whatever. they're not better. I'm saying, I'm saying that it's, it's, it's pretty nice to have a guy, an all-star caliber second baseman that, that's your center fielder that can shift <laughs> to second base. That is, that is a very nice backup to have. I don't know if this Seattle run is sustainable. They have won 23 one-run games, which is amazing. We saw Baltimore do that a couple seasons ago, and they made the playoffs. But um, 23 one-run games is putting yourself in a situation where there's not much room for error. So they're playing hot right now. The balls are bouncing their way. This might not happen for the rest of the season. I- I'm not ready to uh, say the Mariners are the second wild card locked up. No, but, you know, eight games is a lot of games. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a solid Especially amount of games. Shohei Otani lists Anaheim Angels. Well, and they're they're an aging roster too. I mean, that's a that's a team that's definitely one of the uh, you know you're looking up and down the lineup and you see a lot of uh, older veteran guys in that Angels roster too. So you know they may get beat up as the season goes on even further. And the Mariners have, I mean, they've they've set themselves up. There's no doubt they've definitely improved their roster. Um, Edwin Diaz is their closer now, who is you know we, we remember this guy as, as the one who was supposed to challenge uh, Chapman for one of the harder thrown balls in, in the majors he, for, he's a another flamethrower throws 103 104 miles per hour um, and he's been converting saves so he's, he's been pitching very well and that definitely plays to why they have been uh, winning those close games so they have a guy in the back of the pen that has a lot of confidence and is having a great season you mentioned aging you know who else is aging <laughs> well definitely me <laughs> I'm also aging, yes, turning 30 this week, which got me thinking about my health, about my hair health specifically. So I want to tell you guys about Nutrafol. It's a new, safe, and efficient, effective strategy to take control of your hair health. It's made with 100% drug-free nutraceutical ingredients, clinically shown to improve thinning hair. It's also recommended by over 850 top physicians in some of the top salons in the country. Uh, they have formulas for men and for women. Uh, if you're interested, uh, let me tell you a little bit about it right now. It's not just genetics that have it out for your hair. Stress, DHT levels, diet, and environmental toxins all have been discovered to compromise hair health. Whatever the cause is, you're catching your reflection in the mirror and you're concerned. Maybe you've tried drugs on the market or maybe you're interested in trying something that is new. Well, this is 100%, 100% drug-free, which is really important for me, I know, because you always get nervous about putting drugs that you don't know were not recommended by a doctor into your body. You don't have to worry about this. It's all natural ingredients. Um, it has been decades since anyone has made meaningful advancements in the hair, in the hair health industry. 
It's a new world of science now. Researchers have uh, changed the way we think about hair and the relationship to your overall health. Nutrafol scientists and researchers worked for years to come up with a formula that's multi-target, that multi-targets the various causes and improve hair from within. Uh, they, they make the comparison of you need healthy uh, soil to grow grass. You, you need a healthy scalp. You need health internally to grow uh, good hair. It's, made, uh, it's manufactured in the U.S. and uh, is an FDA-certified facility. Contains no GMO, soy, eggs, dairy, gluten, peanuts, shellfish, tree nuts, wheat, yeast, artificial flavors, or colors. To get your first month's supply with subscription for just $10, visit Nutrafol.com and use code BRONXTER in checkout. That is N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. Use code BRONX for $10 to get your first month subscription. All right, guys, let's get into mailbags. The first one up is from Matt. Do you guys think the Yankees would consider trading Dylan Batances for a starter? His value is the highest it's been in probably a year and a half, and he's, uh, I believe, controlled for another year. Maybe a package of him and a Chance Adams-type prospect to get a starter to help immediately. And Dylan Batances is controlled for one more year of arbitration. He's not a free agent until 2020. But he is on the aging side. I'm not sure why a team who would be willing to trade a starter that could help immediately would be looking for Dylan Patances, who is also an immediate type player. So people, I think, need to realize, I think when, when guys are going and, and trying to come up with uh, just some trade options and looking at what's out there and what you know, would make sense as a deal and what teams would make sense to deal with, you got to realize that the, the teams that are going to be asking for um, for for a return for whatever they have that can help you currently, it's going to be a long-term return and it's going to be some kind of a prospect, whether it's, you know, it can be a low, low end prospect because chances are the team that is asking for this prospect and has a guy to sell off is not in competition right now. They're not being competitive. They're not ready for a playoff spot and chances are maybe a couple years away. So a guy like Dylan Batances doesn't really make sense as a trade, uh, as a trade candidate from the Yankees to somebody else, because there's there's a high percentage that 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 team will not need a guy like Dylan Batances. If the Yankees were ever going to trade Dylan Batances, it was going to be the the season two years ago when they traded away Chapman and Andrew Miller because at that point Batances was probably at his highest trade value and he had a couple more years of arbitration left and. and- he didn't have the spout, the bout with uh, the Yankees front office about his arbitration value. And I know we're seeing right now Dylan Batanz is pitching phenomenal. I mean, the guy's been lights out when he's pitching one inning all year long, really. And and we're I think the only real blips we we've seen here and there, but the majority of them have been have been in that second inning when Boone brought him back out. And I think Boone, you know, has realized that hey, this guy is that much better when he pitches one inning. He's really now slotted into that eighth inning spot again, which if you had asked me if that was possible in the beginning of the year, I would have said absolutely not. Uh, but it just shows to how how dominant he is when he's right. When Dylan Batances is, is, is on and pitching well and has confidence, he's one of the most dominant pitchers in Major League Baseball. And when he's going one inning uh, and, and he's locating that fastball, he's practically unhittable. So this is this is a huge deal for the Yankees, but it's it's to help the Yankees right now. It's not to help anybody else. It's not to help them get a player. This is a guy that's going to help them win now. It took maybe six weeks for Boone to realize what all Yankees fans already knew about Batances, and that's he like you said he can't go two innings and he can't hold runners on. Yeah, so he needs to come in in a clean inning where he can control the inning himself. If he has to come in and clean up somebody's mess, it's probably going to be pretty ugly. Yeah, but you know this is this is exactly what we said that that Boone's going to have to do and. and 
you know, as a new manager, as the new guy coming in, you, you kind of have to give him enough rope to figure the things out himself in the way that he wants to figure them out. And he did that. And, you know, I talked about this before in this, in, in the case of Batantis. And maybe this was, maybe this is part of why Batantis is, is having a rebound season. Maybe it's because Boone has the confidence and had the confidence saying, hey, you have the best stuff, probably some of the best stuff on the team. I, I trust you to go out there for that second inning. He gave him that belief. He gave him that confidence. And, and you know, maybe that confidence is carried over into the way that he's pitching in the first inning and pitching down the, um, you know, lately what we've seen. So there's, there's a lot to be said that, that he's making those adjustments uh, and now Batances is is you know making making him look good really and and putting him back in that eighth inning spot. So good for Batances and good for Boone adjusting on the fly. So the next question is from Jake Blue. He says Wednesday nine twenty two p.m. down five to four. Is it crazy to say that it's kind of fun being down late because you just know somebody in this lineup is going to do something big? I guess we'll see how the next three innings go. Well, guess what, Jake? The Yankees lost that game to Washington five to four, <laughs> but. Sounds, I get it sounds his like point. a jinx. Sounds like a jinx. Uh, jinx type of mailbag to me. It does. I get his point though. The Yankees have had five walk-off wins this year. They have had many, many comeback wins. It seems like late in the games, this offense comes alive. So I, I looked it up. The Yankees have hit twelve home runs in the ninth inning. Their OPS in the ninth inning is eight twenty-seven, which is their second highest inning, only behind the fifth inning, which is nine forty. So what, what we're seeing is the fifth inning is when maybe the starter is tiring and they knock him out of the game. That's when they're, they're most dangerous. Their second most dangerous is when they're facing, conceivably, the best relievers the other team has to throw. So this is a, this is a mindset for, for, for fans, I think, when we're watching this. And, you know, I, I get it. I do. Because walk-offs are fun. They're probably one of the more fun things in baseball. And when you're, when you're seeing a team doing it over and over again, you're seeing young guys doing it. It's exciting, and, and you know, there's nothing better than winning a game like that. It's, uh, it's like penalty kicks and, and, and penalty shots in other sports. So you're seeing this, this type of, like, uh, you know, you score and you win, that's it, game over. You don't have to play another inning, and I, and I get it. But I, I think what, the, what our mind needs to be is that this, this team will always fight at the end. They'll always fight. They'll always try to put themselves in a position. Now, whether it's they're going to do it every time, I think, is just completely unreasonable. But at the same time, and, and especially getting excited for being down, I think we need to temper that a little bit. The fact that they're you know, putting themselves in a position, that's what we have to be excited about. Because as we know, you know, one out of three can get you into the Hall of Fame. And, and that's, that's two losses out of three. That's, not three. That's, a, that's a lot of losses when you're looking at three games. So you know, this team does do it. It's exciting. But to expect it, you're going to get disappointed. Well, Jake, I think, was just a little bit bored watching just standard six to three wins every day. So he needed something a little bit more exciting. A little juice. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like gambling on a sport that you have to watch. Yeah, that makes it more fun. Next question was actually raised to our attention by Los Jinx on Twitter. And apparently the Michael K show was speculating about Andy Pettit's return. I'm sure a lot of people have seen the video out there. But it was Michael K basically talking that he has talked to people who know Andy Pettit, who follow him down in Texas. I guess he's throwing to his son's high school teams and he's, his arm is in shape. So Kay was kind of just speculating that it would, it would need to be Brian Cashman and the Yankees who convinced Pettit to come back, but he doesn't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Come on. This is ridiculous. I don't know what this was. It was weird. When I saw the, I, I, don't, I don't listen to the Michael Kay show every day. So I saw this later. I saw this uh, on the tweet. And, you know, when they were talking about it, like if you look at their facial reactions and the way that they're they're saying things even the way that michael k just the way i don't know just the, you read read his body language it seemed like he was 
he didn't want to read it or he was 100% like just just trolling or making speculation like it was just something they were doing there was a, there was an agenda behind it i don't know what the agenda was uh, the agenda was ratings that's fine you're just doing (laughs) the agenda for for the ratings or if pettit has a a charity event coming up and you need to get his name in there but it's just one of those things that's that's strange and it's always like you know it was being forced and 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 we're talking about this just as a forced thing he's 46 years old yeah maybe his arm is 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 decent right now and and strong for throwing to kids in high school that's great it's (laughs) very different for for coming out and, and and pitching uh, you know what is he gonna do? Pitch, pitch when he's when they only play in Texas. Like, are we gonna get something weird like that? Like, like no. the Roger Clemens thing doesn't pitch on the road. Yeah, it's it's uh I don't know. There's it's just uh, we've spent too much time even talking about this. It's not happening. It's the, it's, it's it's unbelievable. What level of freak out would Susan Waldman have if Andy Pettit came back? Uh, yeah, I mean he's got to do it. If he's gonna do it, he's got to do a similar. I mean they're friends, right? Clemens and Pettit are friends, so yeah. he's got to one up his boy. So yeah, he's got to go. You know, it's oh my god, it's Andy. He's in Hal's box. He's got to do one of those. He's he's got to come out there. We got to get the WWF. Susan Waldman making the call. Andy Pettit return. If we're gonna do it, let's do it that way. Because that I, was a great. I mean, that's one of the best sound clips of all time. One of my favorite all time. Uh, I was listening to that live. Could not believe what I was hearing. <laughs> uh, it, I I don't think this is. Even in Pettit's mind at this point, he no. just had a, he just had a, uh, uh, didn't he, he's a grandpa now, right? Yes, he is a grandpa. <laughs> like, all right, come on guys. Um, it'd be, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to speculate about the, the idea of Andy Pettit slotting into this rotation with all these injuries and all the experience that he has is great and all, but do we really just want to add a 46 year old? And I know, to this, and I know old timers day was coming up. So I, I think some of that could have been also playing into old timers day coming up. There, there were there were some things, you know. Maybe maybe ticket sales weren't great. Uh, there's all these rumors now about the Yankees reacquiring the Yes Network. So I think we're we're looking at what that like. You're you're saying just ratings, but I think there's even something more behind this. There was mm-hmm. something else going on with the way that they were talking. It was strange. It came out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, so the the fact that they were doing this. And by the way, let me let me be very clear on something. The fact that Nick Swisher is playing in Old Timers Day is a little ridiculous. I mean, I know everybody loves him, and and, and we all love Swish. And some people don't get the whole swish attitude thing and like they 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 are turned off by it i love it i think the guy's infectious but old timers day i mean yes he hit a bomb because he just because he can he just he he just left the majors playing in scranton last year wasn't he yeah so i don't know i feel like we need a better a buffer between the guys and when they retire and who they are and when they can come back it should be five years at least five years well that's how you, you need to wait to um Five years to be on the Hall of Fame ballot. You should be able to wait five years to be on Old Timers Day. Yeah, I, I just, you know, it doesn't look, to me, it looks weird seeing Nick Swisher at Old Timers Day already. And yeah, sure. he hit a bomb. No shit. I'm sure Goose Gossage loved the fact that Swisher got the invite and, and Gossage is still banned. Well, Gossage did that to himself. Get off my lawn. Uh, all right. The last thing is about the intro and outro music. Jeffrey asked us about it. We get this question about every 50 episodes or so. The, uh, the music that you hear is One Way Ticket by Anatech. He is a Yankees fan from New Jersey. He was gracious enough to let us use some of his tracks for the show. So what I'm going to do now, I should have done this many, many episodes ago. I'm going to put that information in the show description every single episode so you guys can see it there. Um, and I, I guess I'll still be answering that question on Twitter as well. Thank you guys for all the mailbag questions. If you want to submit, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast. Also join the Facebook group, The Bronx Pinstripe Show. Scott, uh, anything else before we get out of here? 
Nationals, then we got the, the Mariners. Now, I'm still salty about the Mariners. I don't think I'll ever not be salty against uh, about the Seattle Mariners because of, of 1995. I got, it cuts deep with the Seattle Mariners, so I want to beat them in every opportunity. Um, I can still see I can still see the end of, uh, of that game and the end of Don Mattingly's career, and it pisses me off. So let's beat the Mariners. Beat the Mariners. Talk to you guys in a few days. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.